absolutely love getting to watch them worship. Don't you guys? I hope so. How is everybody this morning? Marvin's good. <laughs> so today, before we get started, really started, on the sermon, I want to thank all of my volunteers because I couldn't do it without them. So if you are a volunteer in any capacity in OC Kids, I want you to stand up. Give them a round. These people are my favorite people. No offense to the ones not helping. <laughs> okay, now if you are a child, I want you all to stand up. These are the lives you are changing. Okay. These are the lives that every week we get to preach to and love on and sometimes lose our patience with, but you never know. It just depends on the day. <laughs> but today, we are talking about the word amen. So, uh... A couple weeks ago, I was, at, I, if you don't know, I'm in the process of getting my teaching degree to become, um, I can teach up to second grade. And I was having a conversation with a girl at school, and I said, I don't, couldn't tell you, what, it's so important, I couldn't tell you what the conversation was about, <laughs> or what exactly went down. But I remember I said a word, like it was just a word in a sentence, and she looked at me like my head was on backwards. And I was like, what did I do? So I said, I said why are you looking at me like that? And she said, I don't think you used that word correctly. And I was like, oh. So we Googled it. I did use it wrong. And so then on the way home, because I overthink everything, and I was like, how many words do I say incorrectly or not use appropriately? Because it's probably a lot. And it was. I Googled some of them. I was like, not using that one right either. Not using that one right either. And then a word that I know we say often, we've said it today, I realized that maybe we... I'd use that inappropriate as, appropriately as well. I don't use its true meaning, and that's the word amen. And if you know the word amen, you know that it means what? So be it. And that's the title of our slide today. So be it. We're, we're talking about the power of the word that we use quite often. Um, it's, I heard somebody the other day call it a church word. We use it a lot in church. But we use it in different ways. We use it to end our prayers. We've used it in, in agreeance to somebody. Like if Rick says, can I get an amen, you all shout. Amen. Or if somebody's like, I cannot believe, or I can't, I'm so glad that's over, you say, amen, sister, I'm glad it's over too. Hopefully you're not saying that about this. <laughs> I think we, we use it a lot. However, I think there are times that we don't understand the true meaning of so be it. So our prayers have so much meaning, and it, I mean, if they didn't, why would we say them? It would be a waste of breath. But I think there are times we get in a rut and we begin to think, why am I, why am I praying? God's not listening to me. There's n nothing changes. Has anybody ever thought that or is it just me? Just me? Okay, cool. That's cool. So here's the thing about prayers. We all know that it's the, w the way we communicate with God and it can be just a casual conversation as friends. But the words that you are speaking and the thoughts that you are thinking can determine the outcome of anything especially the ones that you put into prayer. So Proverbs 18.21 says, I think it's on there, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And I, if you have the YouVersion Bible up on your phone, you can change into many different versions. And I, was kinda, I like to do that when I'm studying something to see maybe a better understanding of it. And the message version puts it like this, words kill and words give life. 
through either poison or fruit, you choose. You get to choose the words that you're saying. You're choosing the words that you're pouring over your life, whether they're said verbally or they just go as far as a thought. They have the power to tell the world about Jesus and show his love, but they also have the same exact power to hurt somebody that you love, to hurt yourself. I, my mom yells at me all the time because I kind of sometimes talk down to myself. But your words have the power to speak life into a situation, and he gave us that power not to hurt others and not to speak death, but to speak life into every situation that we come into, to every person that we come in contact with. Uh, but then I think there are times that we pray because we're told to. Like, if someone, it's like, well, just pray about it. Okay, I guess I'll just pray about it. I mean, what's that going to do? We're underestimating the power that our prayer has. Communication with God, it, is, it can be as simple as a communication with a friend, but the words that you're speaking are to a Heavenly Father that can save us all. <laughs> there are times, however, when we come to that point of salvation that some of you have came to, and if you haven't, I would love to talk to you about it. We come to the point of salvation, and it's a surrender. Our prayers become surrenders, and when we surrender our hearts to God, we're giving it all, right? So, but there are times that we are not truly trusting that God is in control, because I've not lived a lot of life. I'm only 20 years old. However, there is one thing I learned very quickly, and that is I am not in control. And it's kind of um, humbling, and you don't really want to be humbled by God. You should humble yourself first. Uh, but there are times that we limit God because we're not truly believing that he's going to take care of the situation. That, and then when we limit God and we put boundaries on him, we're limiting the presence of him in our lives. So when we say, God, you can have my marriage, but you can't have my kids. God, you can have my dreams, but you can't have all of my dreams. Or God, you can have my finances, but you can't have these certain relationships. Or you can have my Sundays, but you can't have my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Those are my days. I'm going to do what I want on those days. But really, when we're surrendering to a God, we're talking to an all-access God. You're saying, God, you have permission. You have authority to take over. Because some of you still have faith, including myself. We have faith that's been at the same spiritual maturity and the same level for far too long. God wants us to surrender. God wants to give us a God-sized growth, but we keep putting boundaries on God saying he can't have certain areas of our lives. And that's not, how, that's not what he's calling us to do. That's not how it works. We have to give him all in order for our faith to grow. In order for us to see the things that we're praying for, we have to give it. A couple weeks ago, or weeks ago, it was a few months ago, I was going through something and like, I just, I wanted to control it. I wanted the outcome that I wanted. I didn't get it, but that's what I wanted because I thought that was best. That was what was going to feel most comfortable to me. And in the moment, I'm still in the process of unknown, but I knew that I would pray. I'd be like, oh God, I'm really struggling and I need you to take care of it. And I know that you will. Amen. But that, didn't, I, that wasn't a lot of, there wasn't, my emotion wasn't behind that. Because I've been going through this thing where I like to Google words, because like I said earlier, the, clearly it's not a, a bunch of words I use wrong. And so the word I Googled was amen. You can go ahead and put that on the screen. And it means uttered at the end of a prayer or hymn, meaning so be it. But there's a word on here that's not as bolded, so it's less important than the meaning. However, it's still on there, so we're going to say it has some importance. And that's the word exclamation. If you've gone to school for a day, you probably know what the word exclamation means. But it's a sudden cry or remark, especially experiencing surprise, anger, or pain. When I think of an exclamation, you probably put them after the end of your sentences, an exclamation point. Yeah? 
I like to put a bunch so people really know that I'm really, there's a lot of emotion in that one. But when we're doing that, that's what our prayers are for. We're supposed to put our power and our passion and our emotion in those. Not just, God, I'm sure you'll take care of it. That, wasn't a lot, I, that was a lot of doubt in my prayer. There was not a lot of passion and emotion. But God is calling us to give it to him. He's telling us, put the passion in your prayer. Put your emotion in your prayer because I can handle it. God didn't send his son, his only son, to this earth to die on a cross for you to handle the problem on your own. He sent his son so that you wouldn't have to. When we pray, God has given us the authority to speak life. And we're speaking life over that lost relationship. We're saying, God, I really want this relationship to be amended. I miss this person. My heart hurts. I miss them so much. Amen. So be it that if that relationship isn't healed, I know that in the long run, there's going to be one that's even better. There's going to be one that that relationship wasn't good for me. So be it that if my relationship isn't fixed, I'm going to be okay. Lord, I prayed for healing and healing over this person, and they're not healing, but you say that in the Bible that you heal the broken. But so be it, because I know that one day, whether you heal them on this earth or not, they're going to go to heaven and be healed for eternity in a way that's unimaginable. Lord, my anxiety is so overwhelming over the situation, but so be it. Let your will be done, because I know that your way is better than mine. Because here's the thing. If God showed us the path that we had to walk down to get where he wants us to be, to get close to him, you probably wouldn't take it. You would see the obstacles, you would see the depression that you have to come into contact with, you would see the anxiety, you would see the lost relationships and the trouble with your finances and the trouble with your family. You would see those and you'd be like, absolutely not. I don't think so. But God's saying, this is absolutely the path you have got to take to get close to me. Because in those moments, the trials of your faith, that faith that, you, that you're surrendering everything to me, prove it. Prove that you're going to surrender your depression so much that you know that in the moment of doubt, in the moment of darkness, you can come to me because you know that I'm going to be there. I need... Um, Presley, come here. This is oftentimes what we do with our faith. I want you to stand right here. Now stay there. Don't move, okay? Don't move. I want you to stay there. Why aren't you following me? You're supposed to be beside me the entire way. Get up here. Come on. Come on. <laughs> oh, never mind. I don't need you to stay right there. Come on. Stop leaving me. There are times that we do that with God. We're like, why are you not following me? But in reality, you're the one that walked away. You can go sit down. God is telling you, start with me at the finish line of the path so that when you're in the troubles of depression and you think you can handle it, even though in reality you cannot, I'm there. Don't just wait for me at the finish line because it's going to be harder for you to find me there. You can find me there, but it's going to be a whole lot harder if you would have just stayed with me from the start. In Matthew 21, 22, it says... You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. There comes a moment in the amen, a moment when we're saying, so be it, that comes with laying down your pride. You will never outgrow the need to lay down your pride. Like I said earlier, you want to make sure you humble yourself before God has to humble you. That is something that every single day you have to say, Lord, I'm going to take myself off of the throne and put you back in your rightful place. When you're praying, you're taking off the responsibility that you feel debted to. Like I said earlier, 
God did not, and I cannot express this enough because I do it, and so I want to beat it into my head, but I want to beat it into yours too, that God is not, did not send his son for you to be responsible for your own issues, for you to be responsible for the harm that Satan wants to cause you. He sent his son to help you with that. So in just a second, we're going to open up these altars. And if, whether it is you have to take off the disappointment from a plan that you thought was God's plan, and it left you disappointed, whether you need to take off something that you're striving for, whether you need to take off the yearning that you want something so bad, and it's just not happening, whether you need to take off the hopelessness, the feeling like it's never going to happen for you, and just cry out, so be it. God, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, because it's the only way I'm going to get through this. Let me tell you, there's only one name that is worthy of our praise. There's only one name that is worthy of our worship, and it has never been about us. It should never be about us. We need to try and pour out our hearts to surrender and say, God, I can't do it anymore, so be it. So these altars, I'll have Rick and the deacons come up here, and we're going to start our altar call. And in this moment, I want you to remember how powerful the end of that prayer is, the moment that you have surrendered it to God and you say, so be it. I can't do it anymore, so be your will, God. So you can come.